Hello, welcome back to Clarity. This is our one-year journey as a church where we're hoping to see Jesus more clearly for the 2020 year. I am Garland. And I'm Nick. And what we're going to do today is uh, we've we've been spending a lot of time in the Clarity book uh, looking at selections of the New Testament and uh, looking at the life of Jesus. And it's one of our goals is that we're going to read through the majority of the New Testament in this year. The other thing that we're doing is we're, we're going to read through all of the Psalms and Proverbs as a part of our Clarity year. And many people have been asking, what is the correlation with like the Psalm I'm on or the Proverb I'm on and the teaching on Sunday? And we want to tell you, there's not always one. And so it's, we're just, it's think of it as a Bible reading plan and you don't have to try to sit there and figure out what Proverbs 2, how that lines up with Luke 9. It's okay. We're giving everybody a Bible reading plan and hopefully something that people can uh, go through a large amount of our Bible this year together as a church. And so we've, we've put out a little bit of a, a guide, we hope, for how to read the Psalms. And in this particular episode, we want to put out a little bit of a guide for how to read the Proverbs. And so uh, we have this fascinating little book called Proverbs right after the Psalms in our Bible. And Nick, why don't you help us make sense of what's going on there? Yeah. So, I mean, Proverbs, a proverb is a a way to write wisdom. And what it is, is they're, they're short, memorable sayings. Um, then that the kind of stand alone. And so that's one unique thing you're going to find quickly in reading the Proverbs um, is in many ways, you, you don't have a chapter that all goes together. You don't have a poem with multiple standards, uh, stanzas that go together. Uh, instead, what you have is these little two-line Proverbs that you could take the two-line Proverbs, shuffle them up and rearrange them and not really lose much because they're made to stand alone, all these little bits of wisdom strung together. So like a good example of a proverb, we, we, proverbs are, are all over culture. All cultures have them. We have them in English today, like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Exactly. It's a, it's a proverbial, even when we say it's a proverbial statement, it's a proverb eel statement, proverbial statement, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And so all cultures have them. They're little bits of wisdom that yes. we live by. Yes, absolutely. And so we have a book of that kind of wisdom called the book of Proverbs, uh, 31 chapters long, uh, which is also helpful if you, if you want to do a proverb a day, it fits with, with most months. Um, but there's, there's particular ways that we need to read the Proverbs uh, to make sense of them appropriately. And so one of the first things you'll see is there's an assumption about the heart that someone should have reading the Proverbs. And that phrase comes up again and again, and it starts in Proverbs 1, verse 7. And so um, that that proverb, you want to read Proverbs 1, 7 for us, Garland? Yeah, I love this proverb. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's a lot that we could take from this idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but one of the central things is that wisdom and knowledge is not immoral or not amoral. Okay. So let me say that positively. Yeah, yeah. Wisdom and knowledge is a moral issue. So it is not the case that learning is this neutral abstract thing. It's just totally objective. Let's look at the facts. But actually one of the things that the Proverbs puts out in front of us is your character will determine your ability to understand. Interesting. And that a, a darkened heart will not be able to see clearly. Mm-hmm. And so it says having a heart 
that fears the Lord. Uh, fear, not in the sense of is terrified of the Lord. Fear is in the sense that, that recognizes the power and the might of the Lord appropriately and that worships the Lord, that without a proper relationship to the Lord, you're not going to be able to understand well. And so that's stated at the front of the Proverbs, that before going forward, if you think that you're going to find just some principles to make your life work apart from God, uh, the Proverbs are going to collapse on themselves. It doesn't mean they aren't true. It means that your heart is going to corrupt them, that your heart is going to twist them, and you'll use them inappropriately apart from a proper fear of the Lord. Maybe the way to say it is, to have godly wisdom mm-hmm. and live in light of godly wisdom, to live a wise life in the sight of Yahweh, you have to begin with the fear of Yahweh. You can take any one of these proverbs and try to live it out, and it might work, it might not. The point mm-hmm. is a life of wisdom, a life of continuity and integrity. It begins with a right understanding of who God is and then who we are in light of that. And so you can you may apply one of these things for a day, a year, a month, whatever, that doesn't make one wise. Right. To be wise begins with this understanding of God and myself in, in relation to God. Yeah, absolutely. The second thing we would say just about understanding wisdom in general is wisdom is about how to live rightly. Wisdom is, is about practical, applied knowledge. Um, in, in such a way, we were watching a, a kid's Bible show with my daughter, and, and the example they gave of knowledge versus wisdom is they had a picture of a, somebody who worked at a zoo and the person could tell you everything that you wanted to know about alligators, all the facts about them. He said, that person has knowledge. And then it says, but they reach their hand in the cage and get it bitten by the alligator. They didn't have wisdom. There seems Uh, to be a difference there. Seems to be a big difference there. So wisdom is the ability to live rightly. It's the insight required to live rightly. So it it affects how we live and the choices we make. Now, the one last thing I think that's really important to have in in mind when we read the Proverbs is to understand that these are perspectives for living, not promises for life. Right. I'm going to say it again. They're perspectives for living, not promises for life. Here's what I mean. The Proverbs are not laying down rules that say this is what will happen every single time. Correct. What they're saying is, this is the approach you should take to life in order to live a good life. We might even say it is, this, this word might be too strong, it's almost an idealized picture of what, a, what generally should happen for a wise person when they make wise choices. Yes. And, and it's balanced, we might say, very rightly. The, it's not as if this book stands alone. We have three wisdom books in our Old Testament. This one, Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes will come along and essentially say, hey, let me tell you all the exceptions to the rules of Proverbs. And so that's a helpful thing you're noting is these aren't promises or guarantees uh, for do it, make this decision and this thing will happen. Exactly. I had one prof put it this way, and this is really helpful for me. He said, we have a collection of books that are right side up wisdom and a collection of books that are upside down wisdom. And here's what he meant. Proverbs and Song of Solomon say, this is basically when the world is working rightly, this is the way it should work. Mm-hmm. Therefore, live that way. And then we have two books that try to come to terms with the the reality that the world doesn't work as it should. This would be Ecclesiastes and Job. And Job. And so you have to live in this tension of it would be immoral to go, the world is crooked, therefore I will be crooked. Right. That would be a, a perverse way to approach it. But it also would be naive to assume the world always works out perfectly. So the wisdom literature gives this idea of this is the way the world ought to work, so therefore... 
this is a wise way to live. And it's also wise to recognize it doesn't always work out that way. So here's one example of, of what it would look like for something to be a perspective to embrace rather than a promise. Uh, Doug Stewart's an Old Testament prophet, Gordon Conwell, and I've learned a lot from him. And he gives this example. He's, he, he grew up hunting, um, and his dad had a proverb that he taught him. And he said, there is no such thing as an unloaded gun. Now, that is not a scientific fact. <laughs> there are unloaded guns in the world. Right. It is not an observation about reality that you will never find a gun that's not loaded. Correct. And, and Stuart didn't understand his dad to be saying that. He, if he found a gun that wasn't loaded, he wouldn't go, ooh, dad's a liar. Right. What his dad was teaching him is, hey, if you will live by the rule, there's no such thing as an unloaded gun. It's a wise way to live. That's a wise right. way to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he, he tells a story of coming home from college one day and his dad had a new shotgun and he picked it up, looked at it, thought the barrel was empty, pointed at the ground and pulled the trigger and blew a hole in the ground. And so that would be unwise. That would be unwise. <laughs> right. Okay. So the point being the Proverbs are going to say things like the person who works hard gets a reward. Mm -hmm. Now, is that a promise that hard work will never go unrewarded? Not at all. We, we've got plenty of examples of life where people who really worked hard and cheated out of a reward. Um, it'll say things like laziness will lead to not having something. Is that a true, is it a true fact of life that no lazy person ever gets what they're looking for? No. Oh, There's lots of lazy people who end up with a lot of stuff. What it's saying is if you will embrace the perspectives that the Proverbs puts out there, you will live a good life. It doesn't mean you'll get what you want. It means you will live well. And that is the aim of the Proverbs is to teach people how to live well given the fear of the Lord and understanding that it's still a broken and twisted world out there, but we're not going to become twisted because the world is twisted. Rather, we are going to, in faith, submit ourselves to the wisdom of the Lord to live well. So when we look at the book as a whole, we're going to be working our way through it over the course of this year. Uh, help make sense of... What? How'd this thing come to be? Uh, it's not. It's not as if somebody sat down one day and just wrote all the things that they could think of. All of the never. There's no such thing as an unloaded gun, and they wrote. They thought really hard and wrote them all down uh, over a cup of coffee and a lunch, and then we had the Book of Proverbs. So what? What happened to get this thing? That's a great question. Um, honestly, we don't know. We don't know the details of how it got arranged, but we do have some clues. And so at the very beginning, we read the Proverbs of Solomon, king of David, king of Israel. So because that's opening verse 1, many people assume all of the Proverbs must have been written by Solomon. Right. However, as we work our way through the book, we're going to see some other headings in this book. In chapter 10, verse 1, we see again the Proverbs of Solomon. So the fact that we get a restatement in chapter 10, the Proverbs of Solomon, that seems to be some kind of structure that maybe this is a, a second collection within the book, right. that, that something's happened where we've got more that are collected together here. And then we read on, and it's just proverb after proverb after proverb for chapters. And then... Chapter 22. Thank you, chapter 22. Note. Yeah, chapter 22, verse 17. We get these sayings of the wise. And so we then have a, a list of sayings there uh, that, that are collected from 22 all the way down to chapter 24. 24, yep. 22. And, then, and then we have more sayings of the wise in chapter 24. And then 25, we get another note. These are more Proverbs of Solomon compiled 
by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, that's interesting. 250 years later. (laughs) So 250 years later, apparently King Hezekiah commissioned or sometime under his rule, they, they gathered together some even more Proverbs of Solomon and put them together. And then as we go near the end of the book, in chapter 30, we have an interesting phrase. It says, the sayings of Augur, son of Jacheh. Uh, and Augur is? I don't know. We don't know. He's not, a, and he's, that's not a Hebrew name. So it's not, not a, a Hebrew name. He's not even a Jewish guy. So we, we don't know who it is. Chapter 31, we have the sayings of King Lemuel. And the best part is, as taught to him by his mom. As taught to him by these his are, mom. These are Lemuel's mom's sayings that he wrote down. And that goes through verse 9 of that last chapter. Yep. And then we have this epilogue at the end, the wife of noble character. So what's the point we're making here? What seems like happened is that proverb writing was a practice in ancient Israel. Um, and in the ancient Near East. And so these Proverbs were collected. People would write them. Perhaps Solomon wrote some here, and then maybe he wrote some down another time. And we know at the very least, or at the very at the very earliest, um, we have King Hezekiah and his men that did some compiling. And there may have been more compiling that happened. We don't know exactly when. But these collections of Proverbs, who knows? They might have been kept in a library in Jerusalem. There would be collections of Proverbs, and somebody took these wise sayings and brought them together into one book called the Book of Proverbs. What's, I think what's really fascinating and cool to note is, is this. The people, the Hebrew people, saw it necessary, important, to gather the wisdom sayings and collect it together in a place of the elders of their community mm-hmm. to say these people have lived and the people that came before them have lived and we want to learn from their experience. We want to learn from their wisdom. And if you think about it, that is literally the opposite of the modern kind of 21st century American worldview where everything is great and grand if it's new and innovative right. and fresh and old things we sit, we tend to discard as you know, behind the times or archaic or uncool or whatever it may be. And that's essentially the opposite of the Hebrew perspective. Their, their way of thinking is there is wisdom in age and wisdom in what has come before, and we want to collect as much of that as we can. And that process, while a little bit messy, I think we can learn from that as we study this book over, the, over this year. Yep, that's great. That's the idea. That's, that's the aim that we're after. Well, that's, that helps us kind of get our head around this book of Proverbs. And as we study it, we want to live lives of wisdom in light of our God. And we want to follow him and in the fear of the Lord to gain wisdom as we love him and follow him and serve him with our lives. And so thanks for listening to Clarity. Have a good day.